Welcome to First Presbyterian Church in North Palm Beach, Florida. We exist to help people pursue and share gospel-driven lives. We hope whether you're investigating faith, a seasoned follower of Jesus, and anywhere in between, this podcast helps you connect with Jesus. Hear these words from Matthew 7, verse 13 through 29. Enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide, and the road is easy, that leads to destruction. And there are many who take it. For the gate is narrow, and the road is hard, that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Beware of false prophets, who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorns, or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree bears good fruit. But the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Go away from me, you who behave lawlessly. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because... It had been founded on rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was its fall. And when Jesus had finished saying these words, the crowds were astonished at his teaching for he taught them as one having authority and not as their scribes. This is the word of the Lord. And so this past January, I helped a few friends of mine build a fence in their backyard. We used these wooden panels, and even though it crossed my mind, maybe we could just kind of prop them up in the dirt and just kind of maybe line them up and maybe nail them together, that'd be fine. It really wouldn't have been very structurally sound, because with every fence, if you've been around any fences before, they usually have posts that are dug deep into the ground, and it helps to solidify the foundation. So we had to dig up some, some of the dirt and had to add in some concrete and some water and kind of make sure that it was, after we put the posts in, it was a firm place for the fence to be on because it was a, a firm foundation. And so with the firm foundation for this fence, in the same way we see in his final illustration in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says that the person who hears his words and puts them into practice and does those things He says they are like the person who builds their house on the rock. He says there's wisdom in this. While conversely, if you hear these words and do nothing with them, you'd be foolish. It'd be as foolish as if you had built your house on sand. When Jesus spoke these words to the crowd, he was was near the Sea of Galilee, so his audience would have been familiar with building homes on sand. And what I mean by this is that many of them 
would have been familiar with the ancient practice of digging up several feet of sand to reach the firm bedrock several feet below the surface. They would probably all agree that it would be much easier to simply build on top of the sand, but if they had any concern for the integrity of their home and the safety of those who might reside in it, they would take the time to ensure that the home they planned to construct was on a firm foundation. It gave them a reassurance that their home would not come crashing down at first sign of a storm, but it would remain solid and firm. I find it important to note that Jesus ends his teaching with this imagery of a solid foundation associated with those who hear and act on his words. If this section is to act as the crescendo of Jesus' teaching, then it would be the culmination of all that he's taught so far. He says, if you hear these words, act on them. Act on what I have taught you. So if you hear that Jesus says, it's vital for us to act on his teaching, why is it hard for us to do that? It seems like the problem we may face is that it could be easy for us to hear Jesus' words on a Sunday morning, just like this, and leave without any real change happening within our lives. We could blame it on our schedule, maybe fear or apathy. Maybe we're just confused. Perhaps that confusion comes from not really knowing what it means to act on the teachings of Jesus. As seen in this final illustration of a wise man building his house on the rock, Jesus makes it clear that those who truly hear the gospel and profess faith will obey him by expressing their faith through their actions. We are first grounded in the grace and relationship we have with God that leads us to act. Now for those who consider themselves followers of Jesus, what this means is that if we claim to follow Jesus, there's a responsibility for us to follow through with what it means to be his disciple. We need to ensure that what we know and what we say is translated into what we do. The first letter of John in the book of James and the book of James reiterate these words of Jesus. John has strong words when he says that if you say you follow Jesus, but you do not walk in his ways, you're essentially lying to yourself and to those around you. While for James, he says, you cannot just hear these words, but you need to act in obedience by walking in the way Jesus instructs us to live. We cannot just say and hear, we must act. In the same way that Jesus describes hearing and acting on his words, as illustrated by building our life on a firm foundation, it appears that hearing and obeying Jesus leads to bearing good fruit. Bearing good fruit is the same as the person who hears and puts Jesus' words into action. Jesus speaks of being known by your fruit. He emphasizes the importance of being a good tree that bears good fruit rather than a bad tree that produces bad fruit. But a tree's fruit can only be as good as its source. I remember when I was much younger, I had went to, uh, gone to a neighbor's house with my dad and a few siblings, 
And while the kids were playing outside, I, I noticed that there was an orange tree that was in the back of the house, kind of very close to the house of my neighbor. And I was just very curious, so I decided, oh, I think I'll just try and eat one of these oranges. And so as I, as I tasted it, I don't know if you've all had a bad fruit before, but that was just terrible. This was the worst orange I've ever eaten in my entire life. It, was, it had such a, a distinct, like, musky taste and very sour. And I was so confused why this happened. But then I later found out that the main water source for this orange tree was the drainage water for my neighbor's washing machine. And so that's, that's probably what contributed to being so gross. So um, the fruit had a bad source. So it led to bad fruit. We need to have a good source. And we could say that Jesus is our good source, but what does that look like in our lives? The good source is twofold. Firstly, the good source is being in the presence of God. We sit in God's presence, reminding ourselves that he is with us. We can, this can be done through sitting with God in silence, this can happen through conversing with God, through prayer, lifting up all things to him, and tuning our hearts toward him, and allowing him to refresh us with his presence. Second, the good source is putting yourself in a position of hearing God's word. We hear God's word through being in worship services, in small group Bible studies, and through devotional reading, and other things as well. I wanted to mention that I had the opportunity to serve as a hospital chaplain over the summer. I served at Bethesda Hospital in Boynton Beach, and it was a great experience where I was able to just be present with patients, families, and, and staff, and, and just really offer emotional and spiritual support for them. And while I was there and, and doing my rounding in the hospital, I visited this woman who had just recently been diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. And so she was obviously in a very sad place and um, very upset with God. I had learned that she was Catholic, and so I, I, try, I offered to pray for her, but she was not wanting to receive that. And so I decided I would try to visit her again in a few days because she would be there for about a week or so. Um, and so I, I visited her several days later, and then she told me, she said, I've been thinking about Psalm 23, and in particular, verse 4 where it says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And then she would just repeat to herself that, that phrase, that verse, and she'd say, I really hope God's with me. I really hope he means that. And I would just be there with her. I'd, I'd comfort her. I'd be present. And then she'd ask me to read scripture to her. So I'd, I'd often read Psalm 23 to her. And then I visited her a few days later after that, and I, I read her the same same chapter, and then read her other psalms and other scriptures, and she found a lot of comfort in the word of God. And eventually, after the, the fourth visit or so, she was so much happier, um, even in spite of her circumstances. She was reading the passage to me, and she was praying for me, and, and receiving prayer from me as well, and it was just a great example of, of me seeing how the word of God is a comfort to those who need it. And so hearing and meditating on God's word brought comfort into her life. So now after we've heard and meditated on God's word, we would then act and put it into practice. Good fruit is connected to obedience. Through our obedience to God's instruction, we develop good 
fruit. When we are connected to this good source, the good fruit within us begins to bear. This fruit counters these automatic tendencies that Jesus speaks against throughout these earlier parts of his sermon. Rather than anxiety, we bear the fruit of love. Rather, rather, rather than anxiety, we bear the fruit of peace, I should say. Rather than anger, we bear the fruit of love. We extend the fruit of kindness to our enemies. We see faithfulness in prayer and faithfulness in marriage. And with joy, we act as the salt of the earth. By firmly rooting ourselves with being with God and hearing and acting on God's word, we will bear good fruit through our obedience. We would be known by our fruit through our connection to the good source. As I was thinking about this passage, I thought about the imagery in Psalm 1, about those who meditate on God's word being like a tree that is planted by streams of water with its fruit bearing in season. And that part really stuck out to me, bearing in season. As I reflect on my own life of following Jesus, I'm reminded that it takes time for good fruit to bear. I don't really consider myself to have a green thumb or to know very much about plants or trees at all, but I can take a pretty educated guess in saying that fruit doesn't grow overnight. I want to encourage you that if you're sitting here saying, it's taking me a while to bear fruit, I think you can be patient with yourself. We can be patient with the work that God is doing in our lives, knowing that he causes the fruit to grow. And fruit takes time to grow. This is the core of spiritual formation, that as we walk with Jesus, we will become more like him, that over time, this bad fruit that we all have will slowly be replaced by the good fruit we bear as we walk in obedience to Jesus. That we wouldn't expect to bear out of season, nor expect it to bear quicker than the time it takes to form within our lives. The hope is that we take a step every day to walk in the way of Jesus. That by walking with Jesus, we're beginning to become like him. So let's continue to take that step and ensure that we're planted where we ought to be. Now when we consider the topic of bad fruit, very likely some of you have had painful experiences at the hands of others. Many of them who may have claimed to be followers of Jesus, but their actions showed otherwise. In the midst of this strong language from Jesus, I, I want you to hear that Jesus does not turn a blind eye to this. And he sees through our hypocrisy, rather their hypocrisy. At the same time, we ought to remind ourselves that we all have the remnant effects of bad fruit. When we're faced with this, we should simply focus on walking with Jesus, knowing that he will not produce bad fruit within us. We can find hope that the good fruit will bear when our source and our foundation is good. If he is the source of your life, you will bear good fruit and be reassured of the firm foundation that he brings. I'd like us to now visit a major theme we've seen throughout Jesus' sermon. We notice that Jesus is not here for those who think they have done enough for God. He's not here to pat the spiritual elite on the back and 
give them a big thumbs up. No, he's, he's offered a scathing indictment of the religious establishment. And rather than only inviting those who think they, they deserve fellowship with God, Jesus extends the same invitation to all in the crowd. Follow me. He's even there for those who might consider themselves spiritual zeros who have made a train wreck of their lives. So if you're someone who might think they're too far gone or overwhelmed by what this might look like, may you find comfort in knowing that Jesus came here for you. His love for you means so much more than all the reasons you think you couldn't be welcomed at his table. But also, Jesus' message is intensely life-challenging. He does not simply ask the crowd to hear from him and leave the way they came, but invites them to make a decision to act on the things he's taught. So if you're someone who has been following Jesus for a while, when you hear these words and reflect on this great teaching from him, I encourage you to act on his invitation. To not just be those who hear these words and do nothing, or to hear these words and say that you follow him, but your life looks the same as when you first began following him. Instead, may these words of Jesus inspire us to live differently as those who are welcomed into Jesus' new way of living. And if you're someone who doesn't consider yourself a follower of Jesus, maybe Jesus' words have prompted you to consider what a life with God might mean. If that's you, I'd like to encourage you to respond to his invitation. He's not ignorant of the the growing pains and messiness of upending your life to follow him. He's calling you with an invitation similar to his invitation that he shared when he first called his disciples. Come and see. Come and see. And so, as a chaplain, before we offer any sort of care to a patient, we have a sort of spiritual assessment that we go through and we kind of have in mind, and and it helps us to ask the right questions for whatever need that patient has emotionally or spiritually. So we we have all these sorts of questions that we ask And it could be something like, what kind of support do you have right now? Are are you a part of a faith community or do you have family around here? How is your pain today? And so as I think about these sorts of spiritual assessment questions that I ask to these patients, I also want to consider posing this question to us. What sort of assessment questions, spiritual assessment questions, might we ask ourselves? We may ask ourselves, what fruit is God producing in my life? What fruit is difficult for me? Is there anything that's keeping me from trusting Jesus, from acting on his words? Jesus invites us to truly take the steps of following him, to be a tree that bears good fruit, to be on the firm foundation of following in his ways. Whether you build a mansion or pitch a tent on the rock, his foundation remains firm 
and grounds us in the hope of a life with him. Make him your foundation. Make him your source. Act on his words. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love and your grace, that you are with us, that you are guiding us. We ask you, Lord, that you would help us to bear the fruit of obedience in our lives. Help us to trust you, to follow you, to act on the words that you've given to us. Help us to know that you are always with us and that you love us so much. Thank you for being with us and for guiding us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us at FPC. For more info and to connect with us, check out www.firstpresnpb.org.